watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit and in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the miss. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, FM heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing. ESPN app. What do you say we let that Bruce play a little longer today, kids? Oh, Wendy, September 7th, 2023 will be a day of days. As Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band will return to the JMA Wireless Dome. Ladies and gentlemen, the announcement today, a little birdie told Uncle Brent about it yesterday, and uh, it was hard to bite my lip on that because I didn't want to ruin the surprise. For the people, and uh, by the way, we have a pair of tickets to said Bruce show because Uncle Brent loves you to give away later this week. So get ready for that, friends. I would encourage you to get on Ticketmaster to get registered for the verified thing, and then they send you a code and that whole process and whatever. But that's how you got to do that, right? But if you listen to this show Friday... Keep it in mind, you should be listening to the show every day, okay? You know that already, but Friday will be a fun day because we got a pair of tickets to Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band to give away on this show. We'll look forward to that. We'll think of some fun ways to give that away. And, uh, you know, I don't think I can remember a, a better Valentine's Day, right? It's 50 degrees. The sun is shining. We know that a Bruce Springsteen and the E. Street Band will make their triumphant return to Central New York. First time in Central New York since 2012 when they played Vernon Downs. First time at the Dome since 1992. And that was not even the East Street Band, right? So it's been a long time. And kind of had a, a suspicion this was going to happen after they announced the arena tours. I knew there was a lot of stadium tours on the back end, and I thought the Dome made a lot of sense. And seeing that... Look, shout out to whoever deserves the shout out. Pete Sala, whoever deserves the the kudos here. Because we're starting to get some shows back at the Dome, right? McCartney a couple times, Elton John, the Red Hot Chili Peppers coming in a couple of months. There was just a time there where 
we just stopped having concerts at the Dome. I don't know why. I don't need to know why. It just stopped happening. And I never understood that. I would tell people, like, yes, you too, Prince, Bruce Springsteen. These people used to come to the Dome. And then it just kind of stopped happening for a while. And now it's happening again. And I think that's fantastic. And let's go. So September 7th, friends. Mark it on your calendars. I had some people tweet me today like, well, that's opening night of the NFL season. Yeah, and (laughs) who cares, right? There's only one game, and it's certainly not going to be the Buffalo Bills. Again, I can tell you that much. I know Kansas City won the Super Bowl, but uh, it ain't going to be the Bills and Chiefs opening the 2023 season. And even if it is, friends, even if it is, there's only one thing that could keep Uncle Brent from that, and that is Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. So, very exciting news here in central New York. Hope you're having a great Valentine's Day. Hope you got some chocolate for your sweetie. And uh, we got some Syracuse basketball to talk about tonight. NC State will be in their appropriate Valentine's Day red tonight at the JMA Wireless Dome. So we will certainly discuss that through the program. We're going to talk some Syracuse women's basketball as we do every Tuesday. Thanks to Wegmans and Bill Rapp Superstore with Syracuse head coach Felicia Leggett Jack. She will join us later in the show. Uh, we will not hear from Joe Girard today. We'll hear from Joe later in the week. We typically don't do the interview on game days. So we'll hear from Joe later this week on how this one goes tonight. And of course, the Duke game coming up on Saturday is, uh, you know, these things start to get a bit bigger for the Oranges. We'll discuss uh, this just in. A lot of people watch the Super Bowl. Don't you be blaming Riri for that field being torn up the way that it was. I will I will not stand for that. Oh, no. We will not stand for that on this show. Uh, the blind side awaits us, and uh, as we like to say in the radio business, so much more. And you're welcome to join the party at 437-7644 on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, and, of course, watching at QSportsTalk.com where the live chat's going, and we'll talk to you uh, during commercial breaks exclusively as well. So it's game day. As has become a somewhat of a tradition on this show, we wake up the voice guy and we give you some keys to victory. As it gets real for this Syracuse basketball team, I, I think it's cute that a lot of you have responded to some things I've put out there recently. Say, well, if they run the table and they win a couple in the ACC tournament, maybe they don't have to win the ACC tournament. I just kind of want to pat you on the head and say that that's cute. I would love it if that happened because it'd be a hell of a story. And at the end of the day, I root for a good story. There's still a month to go. There's still some quad one wins out there. By the way, I don't even think that would be enough. I I appreciate your enthusiasm. There's still some optimism out there. But A, that's not happening. And B, I don't even know if that would be good enough. Where you might be right is, of course, the selection committee has a very uh, selective attention when it comes to college basketball, as much as they claim they pay attention all year and they can look at the net rankings and they can look at your quad wins and all that stuff, they have recency bias. So I think there would be a bit of a a jolt, if you will, if that happens. I don't think it's going to happen, but it doesn't change the importance of these next four games for Syracuse. They're all punch-up games. They're all teams above them in the standings. They're all good teams. Now we'll see what Duke does tonight and – whether Kyle Filipowski is going to be healthy enough for that matchup against Notre Dame or if he's going to be, even if he plays tonight, healthy enough to make a difference on Saturday. Every bit helps for the Orange. But do not, for a second, 
look past NC State as we wake up the voice guy. Number one. Give you some keys to victory, and I think you're going to notice a, a little theme in our keys to victory today because, well, you know where my mind is today. And key number one is prove it all night. This is not a game you can have a little first half lapse or have a out of halftime lapse or have one of these moments. Now, if NC State shuts you down defensively, if they outplay you, that's one thing. But Syracuse tends to go into these dry spells. They tend to go into these lulls. They tend to have these first half lags. However you want to describe them, you cannot do that against NC State and succeed by virtue of their inside-outside play, the talent that's on the court, and just the fact that they don't turn the ball over. So if you have slow starts and you get behind, what do you have to do? Well, you have to shut down the other team. You have to get turnovers. You have to go into your press, and that will not work against NC State. Now, I will say this. Syracuse has beaten NC State four straight times for what that's worth. Those are different teams, different seasons. It almost isn't worth mentioning. But the way that they beat NC State last year, mind you, with you know some familiar names still there, of course, but a different team and a different mentality altogether. Syracuse put together one of its best offensive games of the season against NC State. It was on February 3rd last year, so right around this time in the schedule. They went 11 of 18 from three-point range. They went 14 of 18 at the free throws matter line. It was as efficient and up and down the court and consistent of an offensive game as they had all season. Now, Cole Swider was big in that game, so someone needs to play his role, and that naturally would fall to one Joe Girard in that sense. But you know who also had a great game that night? It was Jesse Edwards. Now, this was before Jesse got hurt and missed the rest of the season. And I went back and read my column after that game, and, you know, it was at the point then where it was just, can we give this guy the most approved player in the ACC award? It was like unquestioned, and then he got hurt and missed the last eight, nine games of the season, and that kind of uh, faded away, right? But they can have this type of game. Again, it's not the same NC State team. But they have to prove it all night, all 40 minutes, no lapses, no falling behind. You're at home. I think you're going to get a juiced-up crowd tonight. It's probably going to be a mid-20s crowd, but the students will be into it. It's Valentine's Day. There's love in the air, right? The energy from there. I don't know. Pick something. I just feel like there's. this is a big game. This is a really good team in the Dome. And if there's a game that suits this team to prove it all night, it is certainly this one. Number two. Born to run. You're starting to get the theme, aren't you? The backcourts in this game are awesome. I mean, find me a better backcourt matchup in this game. And the backcourt brawl we're going to get between uh, Tracavion Smith, Jarkel Joyner, and Judah Mintz, and Joe Girard. Now, Girard has to live up to the billing here. He's got to keep pace. And he has got to... I feel like if Syracuse is going to be successful in this game, Gerard's going to be in that 18-24 to 24 point range. He's, he's in his groove. He's in his rhythm. But when you look at... I mean, I don't have to tell you about Smith. He is one of the best players in the ACC. He's in the short breath to win ACC Player of the Year. NC State got a huge jolt when he came back. He could have gone to the draft last year he comes back. I'll give you the numbers just for context here. 
Smith and Joyner rank first and ninth among ACC scoring leaders. Smith is at 18.5 points per game. Joyner puts up 16 points per game. So that backcourt is averaging just under 35 points per game. Now, Gerard and Mintz are combining for 32 points per game. Gerard is fifth in the ACC in points per game. Mintz is 15th. Mintz is averaging 15.4 points per game. That is seventh among NCAA freshmen. Just to put that into context, as Mike Waters pointed out today, since 1981, only one Syracuse freshman guard has scored more per game than Mintz. That was Johnny Flynn in 2008, and that is an apt stat because there is so much sorry John Rothstein to steal your gig here there is so much Johnny Flynn in Judah Mintz right Mintz is second among freshmen in steals per game which is important because like we said NC State just does not turn the ball over they are one of the best teams in the country at protecting the basketball they're top 10 in the country they're uh, one of the I think they're second in the ACC but they just don't turn the ball over period end of story This backcourt is a matchup is going to be fascinating to watch because you go up and down the scores this year for NC State. Smith is a scoring machine. Joyner can at any time drop 24, 26, 28 points. Mintz goes back to point number one about prove it all night. He can't have one of these bad first half make up for it in the second half and expect to win type of games. You can do that against Florida State and BC. You cannot do that against this team because they'll just run by you. Born to run is point number two. How about key number three? Number three. Tougher than the rest. We talked about Jesse Edwards in the paint. Oh, boy, is he going to have one heck of a matchup here. Winthrop, when I think of impact transfers that can come in and shake up the ACC, I think of Winthrop. But that is where DJ Burns comes from, who has had a pretty big impact. For NC State this year. He's averaging 12.2 points per game, 56% field goal shooting. Big South Player of the Year last year, where he averaged 15 points and 62% from the field. This guy is a tank. He is hard to defend. He is consistent. He gives them a paint presence that allows the guards to work. By the way, Frank Clark is back in the lineup at forward for NC State. He just came back. So what you've seen a lot from NC State this year is some three guards and a center, but now you've got Clark back in the rotation. They also have a a deadly three-point shooter, one of the best three-point shooters in the ACC at this point. And against Syracuse, it feels like two or three guys can get going from the outside, but that doesn't mean you you leave the best three-point shooter open. Burns is just a tank. So is this one of those games where you're going to have to use both Jesse Edwards and Monir Hema? Been a while since we've heard Hema's name. It's going to be tougher for Syracuse's forwards to work their way into the paint. What you get from Benny Williams and what you get from Chris Bell at this point is a bonus, right? Burns, Mike Waters pointed this out too. Let's give him a shout out here because I thought it was an apt comparison compares him to somebody who maybe doesn't pop to mind immediately. I kind of had an oh yeah moment when I read this from Mike today. Remember Marquette center Devontae Gardner? 6'9", 290. He regularly gave Syracuse fits. 
back in the day. DJ Burns is a lot like him. So you got to be tougher than the rest in the paint and absorb what you can there. And look, Jesse has been aggressive. He's showing new parts of his game, as Jerry McNamara pointed out recently here on these airwaves, flashing some new moves against Boston College. I'd say the one shimmy move he made in the second half I hadn't seen yet. Um, <laughs> that one was one I kind of, I think I leaned back in my chair. I, you know, he, he got to the middle and had it in the left hand. And, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon shimmy kicked and finished with the left. And the shimmy, the hook shot, getting away from the basket a little bit more. So keep an eye on that in the paint tonight. And point number four. Number four. Syracuse is wrecking ball. I just feel like Syracuse has to play a disruptive game against this team. We mentioned they don't turn the, the ball over. Let me give you the numbers. The Wolfpack leads the ACC in forcing turnovers, causing opponents to turn the ball over 14 times per game. Syracuse is right behind them, creating 13.5 turnovers per game. NC State turns the ball over itself just 9.8 times per game. That is third in the ACC and top 10 in the country. That turnover margin is four and a half. That leads the ACC, but Syracuse is third in turnover margin. I brought up Burns and and the challenge that that presents in the paint. Do you know that Syracuse right now is averaging 34.8 points per game in the paint? That is their highest mark since the 2009-10 season. So when I say wrecking ball, you've got to take chances. Yeah, NC State doesn't turn the ball over, but why not throw the press at them a little earlier? Shake things up. Show them you're here to play tonight. Don't just go with the same old stale routine that leads to certain things. I think Syracuse has to go out there and throw a punch, not literally, but shake it up. Challenge Smith. Challenge that backcourt. Show Burns you need business. Maybe there's an early foul or two in there that shows, like, we're not going to back down here. That's a Tom Petty song, not a Bruce Springsteen song. But you get what I'm saying. I feel like if you're going to win this game, it is not going to follow the same script as it has fouled against worse teams. Look at NC State's record. Matter of fact, I'll look at it for you, okay? They only lose to good teams. Now, they're an eight seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. That's kind of where you'll find them in most bracketologies, right? So we're not talking about a top four or five seed here, but you are talking about a team in the ACC that's on pace. There's still a month to go here, friends, but is on pace less than a month now because the ACC tournament's early March. But they're going to get a double buy at this point. They're on pace for it. They don't play till Thursday. Those are the big boys in the ACC. Let's go through uh, NC State's losses here. Kansas, pretty decent. Pittsburgh, top team in the ACC right now. That was a 68-60 loss early in ACC play. Miami, top three team in the league. Clemson, top three team in the league. North Carolina, rivalry game, crossover game. Doesn't surprise me. It was an 80-69 to 69 game. Virginia. These are all excellent. And every team they lost to is not only going to the NCAA tournament, 
but will have decent seeds. Every team they lost to is good. They don't lose to bad teams. So what does that make Syracuse? Well, we'll find out tonight. Prove it all night. Born to run. Tougher than the rest. Wrecking ball. Those are your four keys to victory. Any other Bruce Springsteen songs you see as keys to the victory? Perhaps someone uh, will have to be, I'm on fire from three-point range. Justin Taylor off the bench, perhaps, too. Don't get me going with the Bruce puns, because we'll be here all day, right? I thought it was enough in the keys to victory there, but we shall see tonight. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Yeah, baby, welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Thanks to Coach Jack for joining us. That's something fun coming up with Coach Jack in a couple weeks. We'll give you a little tease up. Somewhere cool you can come hang with uh, Coach Jack and I. Wow. Let's go. I'll, I'll put it that way. Lukey's here, and uh, we're ready to do the blind side. We were talking some Valentine's Day stuff uh, during the break because uh, Coach Jack put out a nice tweet today. Her uh, husband, David, gave her some flowers. And I'm wondering, like, how popular are orange roses around here? Right? Yeah. There's got to be a lot oh, of yeah. SU fans that, you know, are getting flowers from their sweetie. And, like, that that's a good move right there. I, I wonder. I, I want, go red. Go orange. Man. I didn't see any of Wegmans, at least in their display, which my wife described as Valentine's threw up all over the front of Wegmans. <laughs> um, I didn't see any orange, but yeah. Hey, I man. Mean, Wegmans, Wegmans is knows. smart. They'll do Shout it. out to them. You walk into, I don't know about some of the other ones, but the mothership, the DeWitt Wegmans, like, wham. Yeah. That is the biggest Valentine's Day display I've ever seen, making it easy for dudes like me, right? That's one of my favorite scenes, though. When you go to Wegmans, either today or yesterday, and just all the dudes yep. in the card aisle. Wandering around. Shout out. like, Can we give a shout out to like people that work in flower shops today and chocolate shops today and delivery drivers today? The weather was beautiful, so thankfully, you know, they didn't have to deal with like, you know, five degree weather or anything like that. Um you know what's popular now? I, I saw a, a few friends of mine are musicians, and you can buy like a love gram, and they'll okay. show up at work wow. and play a song. Right? You gotta, Shout know, out you gotta to them. know your significant other there, though, because that could go wrong. Yeah, that could go horribly. My wife would kill me yeah, yeah. if I ever did something like that, which means it's going to happen next year. Love gram coming your way. You know what I actually did for three or four years in a row, just because I'm that guy. I bought flowers on February 15th. Yep. Just to be that guy. Just to be that guy. I will not conform to your commercial holidays. They were a little cheaper in the midday tips. It's like getting candy after Halloween. Thought I'd mention that. As my father used to say, I still have my uh, first communion money. That's that's where It's we're time for the blind side. All right, what you got there, homie? Well, speaking of Valentine's Day, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster of the Kansas City Chiefs tweeted out today mm. a Valentine's Day card. Oh. I can show you to you here. Yeah, let me see. It is a happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And the card is a picture of James Bradbury that says, I'll hold you when it matters most. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. 
Well played. As much as I hate that call, as we were talking about with Matt earlier this hour, uh, that is well played right there. Yes, and uh, a couple Eagles players were not too happy about that. Well, A.J. Brown was up. one of them. Lighten up. That's funny. It is. Come on. Not really a question, but just uh, had to bring that to your attention. That gets funnier the Very more good. I think about it. That's fantastic. Shout out to Juju Smith-Schuster. And I know you talked about this a little bit, a little bit during Q Sports Talk break, but didn't fully delve into it. How cool is it that Demar Hamlin will be in attendance for Syracuse Duke on Saturday? Fantastic. Love that Demar was at the Super Bowl. Love that Demar is healthy enough that he can get out there and do these things. He's actually supposed to come to a, an earlier Syracuse game, um, which I think that was when Jalen Hurts ended up coming to, speaking yeah. the Super Bowl. And the applause that he will get. And remember, there's a Syracuse connection to everything. Denny Kellington. Yep, the, the former uh, train trainer at Syracuse is now one of the head trainers for the Buffalo Bills, who literally saved that man's life. So, a hearty applause is on the way, and it's it's well deserved, and can't wait to see him come to the Qs. Now, what was not a hearty applause was the booing that Dak Prescott received when he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Ooh, was that a bad move by uh, Philly fans, or is that just showing how big the rivalry is? At the, you I don't see at the think Super Bowl? you boo a man who wins the <laughs> Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which is given for community service. Philly fans, um, I wish I wrote this down. I'm going to paraphrase here, but somebody had an uh, amazing tweet about Philly fans, and I'm going to screw this up, but it went something along the lines of, Philly fans are either in a constant state of swagger or sorrow. And there's no in-between. Yeah. Right? That is perfect. Philly fans are either in your face doing the Philly fan thing or they're bummed because their team lost yet another championship. Right? There's just no, there's, there's no middle gear there for Eagles fans. Now, obviously, a lot of talk about Syracuse trying to grab a ranked win tonight. Can you tell me the last Ooh. time that they got a regular season ranked win? Uh, regular season ranked yes. win. So not counting the tournament. Uh, I should know this. I want to say it was. Uh, was it Miami in 2021? It was Virginia Tech. Ah. In January, it was January 23rd, 2021. I got the year right. Now, can you tell me who led Syracuse in scoring on that night? January 2021, Virginia Tech. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just take a shot in the dark here, Buddy Bayon. No. It was Quincy Garrier. How about that, kids? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Figured you would probably not How be able to get that one. do both of those references feel? <laughs> that's the last time they beat a ranked team. That's yeah. kind of a Remember long, that guy? Remember that guy? It's a long time to be beating a ranked team. And, uh, yeah, Quincy Garrier. Shout out to Quincy. Now the football is over, I want to talk a little baseball. Please do. Pitchers and catchers this Yes. Game? Are you at all interested in Derek Jeter joining the Fox broadcast? Actually, I am. Well, I was not surprised. I was. I am because now is he going to be in the same booth with A Rod? It's going to be like yeah, like uh, the like pre and post they do where it's like A Rod, oh. Jeter, Big Poppy, okay, yeah. Frank Thomas. Yeah. Okay. That's why I understood. That's a good crew. Maybe they'll work them up into being. I like that they're mixing around. in the Yankee Red Sox thing with Poppy there too. There's still got to be a little tension between A Rod and Jeter. Oh yeah. I want to see oh, if yeah, Jeter's any good. I've never thought of Jeter as like. Somebody, same thing with Tom Brady. It's like, yeah. can you be a good broadcaster? Right? 
I'm actually intrigued by that. I think it's a great move by Fox. Yeah. Jeter came on the K-Rod cast uh, with A-Rod over last season, and it was, like, they were friendly, but it was awkward. You could tell, like, and Michael K tried to ask yeah. a couple of questions that would get Jeter going, and it was, yeah. It was I like awkward. how Fox is leaning into the, like, reality show aspect of oh, this. Oh, yeah. Now, speaking of baseball, are you excited at all for the World Baseball Classic? Nope. Never Why got not? into it. Have you seen Never the teams this year? Some they of the teams are, are sick. Some of the rosters are pretty sick. So I say that now, and if it's in front of me, where is the World Baseball Classic this year? Do you uh, know? Ooh, I should have known that. I think. It, See, sometimes it just depends what time it is. Yes. Like if it's in some wacky time zone and I got baseball on at 10 in the morning, that's cool. I'll be like, all right, sweet. I'll put that on while working at home, doing some stuff. But I don't, I don't get excited about it. I, I just, Taiwan. Oh, boy. What time are those <laughs> games going to be on? Wait, this is weird. Ty- Taiwan. It's Taiwan, Tokyo, Phoenix, and Miami are the four. Oh, so they're all over. It's not like one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll get some reasonable. Yeah, but those Taiwan games, what time are those? I can't even imagine. Holy Uh, moly. That's like 12 hours. The U.S. is playing in Phoenix. So those will probably be some reasonable. That's reasonable. Uh, The man on second rule. How do you feel about that? They are going to permanently keep it for extra innings. Thumbs down. I'm a thumbs up. I don't know why you like that. I do. Now, I'm a fan of let's speed it up, let's move it along here. I'm not a fan of gimmicky things like that. That's kind of what that's what we did playing baseball in, in the neighborhood back in the day. Right. right. Yeah. Put a ghost on second. Mom's calling for dinner. Mom's, yeah. yeah. Mom's calling for dinner. We got to wrap up the game. Put a ghost runner on second. Let's wrap this thing up. Now, does it go to extra innings enough? that this just becomes normal or I'll answer my own question here. Every time this happens, Lukey, I'm like, oh, that's stupid. Right. It does add a little drama. I'm not going to lie. The one thing I would say is it kind of reminds me of hockey with the three-on-three overtime where it's like they keep trying to make it so it ends faster. I understand it's a little different because hockey, you get a point no matter what. But, like, what's the difference between that and hockey? Because when it goes to playoffs, there's no shootout. They they go back to four-on-four. So that's kind of how I look at it. Not a fan. Thumbs down. I think they completely overestimate their fan reaction. Or maybe in this case, underestimate Because most of us hate it. But baseball's like, forge ahead. We'll break. We'll come back. Send you down the home stretch here. We're not done, though. Because we've got Syracuse basketball pregame coming up top of the hour.